0: Just a quick heads up before we get started. We'll be talking about gun violence and suicide, particularly against children, in this episode. Okay, here's the show. Guns are the leading cause of death for minors. The CDC says there were more deaths from guns than car crashes in 2020, and the number has only risen since. One major gun control group found that an average of 350 children a year find a gun and shoot themselves. It's a tragedy that's happening all over the country.
2: Sheriff Mike Chitwood says a curious toddler killed himself with his father's gun. This 9mm, the child found in the master bedroom nightstand, loaded.
0: Night family and friends are remembering a kindergartner who accidentally shot and killed himself.
2: We're
1: learning a 3-year-old was found uh, found a gun and shot himself.
0: But one potential solution has started to gain steam smart guns, handguns that are designed to work only in the hands of the registered owner.
1: Yeah, so BioFire is building a smart gun.
0: That's Kai Klepfer, the founder and CEO of BioFire, a startup that plans to start selling the first consumer smart gun in December. They say their handgun is equipped with tech that makes it impossible for anyone except the rightful owner to pull the trigger.
1: Right, Basically, it's a handgun with a built-in biometrics, uh, in this case fingerprint facial recognition, uh, which is always locked by default. It unlocks automatically uh, when the owner or some of the owners chosen picks it up and, and functions just like a, a normal gun in that case. And then relocks uh, basically as soon as it leaves the uh, user's control.
0: Klepfer became interested in smart guns roughly 10 years ago after a 24-year-old murdered 12 people in an Aurora, Colorado movie theater using multiple firearms. Then 15 years old, Klepfer started working on smart guns as a science fair project. He knew he couldn't prevent a mass shooting like the one in Aurora, but he hoped he could minimize accidental deaths.
1: And basically what we're predominantly focused on is how can we ensure that children, teenagers, uh, you know, other folks that are in the home don't uh, get access to firearms that the owner doesn't intend for them to have access to.
0: Klepfer isn't interested in the regulation of firearms. Instead, he believes better tech and better design can make guns safer.
1: Really, the only approach that I see to that is, is by providing better tools, right? That, in particular, for home defense, solve some of the, the tension between trying to, one, have fast access to a firearm, uh, if you're actually going to have any ability to use that in sort of the middle of the night, somebody's breaking your home, it's a very fast environment in most cases. Uh, at the same time, you want to make sure your kids don't have access to it because that's going to be the highest risk for them getting access.
0: Sounds like a reasonable idea, right? But gun rights activists aren't sold. They worry that a smart gun is unreliable. And they imagine being in an emergency situation, needing access to their firearm when the biometrics fail to recognize their face. And in some ways, their concerns are not unfounded. There have been attempts at bringing smart guns to market before, all of which failed for one reason or another. So today on the show, the first smart gun to market may be here as early as December. Will it really work? I'm Celeste Headley, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about tech, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around.
1: Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI.
0: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Smart gun technology has been around for decades now, but it's largely failed to live up to its promise. Several companies have tried to bring smart guns to market, but all have failed, either because the tech didn't work or because gun rights activists weren't buying. Champ Barton, a reporter at The Trace, says that while there isn't a clear definition of what a smart gun is, there is one factor that determines whether a gun is smart or not.
2: The consensus is generally at its highest level uh, that a smart gun is some gun that uses some sort of technological intervention to prevent the gun from being used or misused rather um, by someone uh, other than the owner.
0: It's difficult to really determine what that means. And by that, I mean, I've seen some um, complaints come about because when we talk about owners, we already can't sort of agree on whether... Uh, we should track who owns a gun, right? So if you're going to have a gun that can only be used by a particular owner and we're not necessarily forcing people to register to a particular owner, then how do you do that?
2: I mean, I think that would presuppose that the smart technology being used in the gun is controlled by some government entity, which is not the case. You know, anytime a gun is sold legally, there is an individual buyer who has to fill out paperwork uh, to comply with federal law, with the exception of private gun sales, of course. And in those instances, there's an individual person who owns that gun. It's also the case that any time a gun is sold in any situation, a private uh, sale included, that gun is owned by an individual. Maybe it's passed around; it doesn't. We don't know, but you know, it's owned by someone. And the way that this technology works is that it enables that someone, whoever they may be, at least in some models of the of these guns, to configure the weapon in such a way that it will only fire when when they are using it, right? Um, and that information doesn't need to be tracked by the government in order to work. Um, you can think of the example of the Armatic um, RFID chip-operated gun. You know, anyone who's wearing the, the wristwatch that has the RFID chip in it should be able to use the weapon. Uh, with BioFire's gun, anyone who is authorized uh, during the setup of the firearm should be able to use the gun And that is sort of independent of whether or not you know some government entity, locally, the state level or nationally, knows that that is the particular person who is authorized. It's just to say that the person who owns the gun knows that they're they're the only authorized user. Biofire has two separate biometric authenticators: one a fingerprint scan and one a facial recognition scan.
0: It sounds to me similar to the way your phone works, right? My phone can either be unlocked with my fingerprint or with my face. right? And that that tech has gotten much more sophisticated than the first time they worked. Because the first time I used a face scanner on a phone years ago, if I was in low light, it didn't recognize me at all. So what's the benefit of that? If I'm a GoN owner, why would I want that?
2: Yeah. I mean, the sales pitch seems to be that there is a significant number of people every year who die in um, accidental shootings, there's a lot of children who die every year in accidental shootings, or who, sh- who are shot in accidental shootings. There's, uh, you know, a not insignificant number of people who commit suicide using their spouse's weapons. Uh, you know, if you're married to a cop uh, and the police officer has a gun and leaves it in the house when they go away, you know, I, I know a particular story where this happened, and a girlfriend of this police officer then used the officer's gun to kill herself. Like all of these um, situations occur because there is sort of access to a firearm by a person who is not the owner of that firearm. And one of the recommendations that is sort of prevalent in gun circles to prevent against these sorts of shootings is to have a gun safe. But there is a a concern with gun safes, which is that if you lock away your weapon behind a secure passcode or you know lock, that the time it takes you to unlock the gun from the safe could be potentially lethal if there's an intruder in your home and you need to access the gun because you have the gun for self-defense. The smart gun technology in in a gun like BioFire enables you to have ready and immediate access to the firearm without jeopardizing the safety of the people around you who should not have access to that firearm. What I mean by that is if you have a BioFire smart gun and it works as BioFire advertises, then that gun could stay on your nightstand. And if you had an intruder in the house, you could reach for it immediately. You wouldn't have to unlock any safe. It would do a fingerprint recognition or a facial recognition scan, and the gun would be ready for you to use. Now, when you aren't using it, it would be sitting in that stand readily available to anyone who cared to grab it, but it would only operate for the person who was authorized to use it. Um, Meaning that if your children found it, if your spouse found it in a moment of distress, they wouldn't be able to use the firearm. And so they couldn't, you know, commit uh, suicide or have an accidental shooting or anything like that.
0: Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is that, let, uh, let's let say, if the technology works as it's supposed to, hypothetically speaking, if I own one of these guns, a biofire gun or any smart gun, I and I have children in the home, I could leave that gun sitting on my coffee table and my kid could pick up the gun and they wouldn't be able to fire it.
2: That's the... Worst case scenario idea, yes. Like, we're, you're protected and that's... And that I mean, situation. that would be a, st- a
0: stupid thing to do. I'm not recommending anyone <laughs> do that. <laughs> that is a dumb thing to do. But technically, that's what the promise is.
2: Yes, technically, it would seem that's, the, that's what the promise is. If you go on BioFire's website, there are images of the gun um, in relatively conspicuous locations in the house. And I think the idea is that, you know, you don't have to... Worry in those situations that the gun is going to be operable for somebody randomly in your house to pick it up and use it. Now, I don't think that BioFire would ever, you know, advise that people leave their guns around because it's not good practice. But there's a an increased level of safety that you have, assuming the the technology works as advertised, with one of these smart guns than with a regular gun in terms of your ability to sort of leave it in a place that is potentially accessible to someone who you don't want to use the gun.
0: You know, in the past, there's been problems um, with this kind of technology. It just hasn't functioned the way that it's supposed to function. What kind of indications do we have that that these some of these technical difficulties have been worked out?
2: Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been very many examples of smart guns um, that have hit the market for a variety of reasons. The sort of classic example was that Armadix, Arma, Armadix wristwatch-enabled gun, uh, which had an RFID chip, but which, as you know was easily sort of disabled with with magnets um, yeah. and in effect could be turned back into a regular gun. The reason for that though is sort of if you if you sort of take a step backward there's like two sort of philosophies of how to build one of these guns. One is when you you build a gun that sort of functions as a regular gun but you put some sort of block in the firing mechanism that needs to be disabled by RFID chip or fingerprint scan or whatever so that you're essentially have like a regularly functioning gun that you're then enabling to function properly by removing said block, right? And I'm not saying that has to be a physical block, but uh, like an actual mechanical block. I don't know exactly how the, the tech works there, but you're removing something or putting it back in place, right? In order to make the gun work. Biofire's gun works somewhat differently, which is that um, the firing mechanism is electronic. So it does not function the way that a regular gun functions the way it was described to me by folks at biofire was that whereas a pull of the trigger in a regular gun mechanically moves a piece inside the firing mechanism of the firearm, which drops what's called a sear and allows a, you know, at least in a striker fire weapon and allows the striker to move forward and hit a bullet, which detonates around, um, in biofire's gun, the trigger functions more like a switch, like a button that you're pressing and then you press that button and it enables the gun to work. But the advantage of that is that there is not as, it's not as easy to disable the mechanism that is preventing the gun from firing because it's not a regular traditional firearm that you can just remove the smart portion of and then have it function properly because the gun function.
0: It's like you can't turn the power on.
2: Exactly. which is all, all to say, I don't I don't know, you know these things haven't been tested. Uh, in the real world, in terms of like being sold commercially in a wide scale, yet at least BioFire's gun. and so I'm sure it will will undergo some like really rigorous testing by consumers once it hits the market in a full throated way. Um, but the few people who I know who have tried it, like there are some gun influencers who have tested it out, um, seem fairly fairly positive on it, and and the videos that they shared showed that the gun works just about as intended. There were a couple like hiccups in that process but it was uh, the, the they were invited to the to test the gun you know early in its design process um so it wasn't quite ready for commercial sale yet but yeah i mean they were positive on it and i think it'll it it stands to reason that that's a, a good indication of how how effective the technology will work but uh, of course you know it'll take lots of testing from and uh, tweaking by consumers who are, you know, trying to poke holes and identify vulnerabilities and those things to to really be sure that 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 will work as intended.
0: When we come back, why the gun movement would prefer to keep its weapons? Well, stupid.
2: If you want to understand what is happening in the United States right now, you really need to understand what's happening with the courts, the law, and the Supreme Court. The battle between democracy and whatever this cage match is that we're witnessing, it's going to be won and lost at the ballot box, but it's also going to be won and lost in the courtrooms. I'm Dahlia Lithwick. I host Slate's legal podcast, Amicus, and we are doubling our output bringing you weekly episodes from here on in, because how else can we keep an eye on the many trials of Donald Trump, the conservative legal movement's assaults on our rights, the Supreme Court's latest slate of environmental gutting, gun safety eviscerating cases on the docket. So follow Amicus wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes dropping every Saturday morning.
0: I mean, there's always a question of whether there's a market for this. Fewer than half of American households have a gun in them. But the people who are gun owners have a larger number of guns, right? Meaning that people who support, even though there's a majority of of Americans who support gun regulations, and I assume they do that because they're interested in safety, um, it's a question of whether those who uh, want to own guns would be interested in a smart gun like this. Do we have any idea about what the the appetite for a gun like this would be?
2: What I know from just years of reporting in this space is that, you know, everyone who owns a gun is not, well, not every single person, but many people who own guns are cognizant of the fact that those guns could be used by their children or by, you know, people who shouldn't use them if they're stolen. And generally gun owners promote safe gun storage and security practices. And I think For the gun owner who has children in the home and is worried about this, this is an attractive uh, proposition to have a gun that, you know, would work when needed and would not work when uh, used by someone who it should not work for. But again, like there's there's a whole political dimension to this. There's a lot of folks who are sort of dubious um, in some of the reporting that I was doing. You know, you can see that there are people who are skeptical that the that the technology won't work as intended. But I think, like, if you're just talking in the hypothetical about, you know, are, would gun owners be receptive to a, a you know perfect version of this this product? It does seem like there is an appetite uh for it. the The gun influencer, one of the prominent gun influencers that they invited, Biofire, I'm speaking of, uh, invited to test the the gun out. When he tested it out, he he had a positive a review of it, and he thought that it was a good option for those who you know potentially live with children and live around people who. Uh, might have access to the gun who they don't want to have access to the gun but who also want to have quick access to their firearm if they should need it in some sort of self defense scenario uh, and this sort of like was uh, was able to satisfy both of those criteria criteria one being you know security from people who shouldn't use the gun criteria two being easy access for the person who needs to use the gun uh, should they need to use it
0: yeah it's it's interesting when we talk about criteria i mean certainly Um, There are a lot of children who um, end up getting either injured or uh, tragically killed um, because of accidental shootings within the home and in other places as well. Um, And if this technology works as promised, that would definitely help with that. But when you're talking about criteria, there's a limited use because um, studies have shown that when it comes to the dangers of having a handgun in a home— people living with handguns in the home are seven times more likely to be shot by their spouse or intimate partner. And most of those people over 80% are female. Um, and that, that's not going to help with that. Um, and the chances of being shot by a stranger, in other words, somebody coming into your home are incredibly low. And so you know, there's the fear of that happening, which for many people is is quite high. But there's what what actually is is a, a real risk, which is being um injured, or in many cases killed by somebody who's actually in your home, which is a is a pretty high risk. Um so the the smart gun, if it works well, will help in some cases, and in many cases in which handguns are a danger inside the house, won't. What are the the <laughs> options? to make guns safer in those cases? What's on the horizon for that?
2: I think you're you're right to note that like the smart gun is not a magic pill for all forms of gun violence. And I think the people who are developing this technology are sort of sober-minded about that. When I spoke to the folks at BioFire, they seemed clear that there's like a, a, a market for their firearm, and, and that market is not every single instance where a gun is used in a crime ever. They were specific that they wanted to help reduce certain Subsets of of shootings that they thought that their technology could help reduce. I think that in other reporting that I've done, it's clear, as you say, that the statistics show that uh, having a handgun in the home increases one's risk for any number of gun related um, you know injuries or or death, and that. It makes perfect sense. I mean, if you're if you if there's no gun in the home, then your risk of being shot by the person who lives with you is way lower than if there is a gun in the home that they can use to shoot you with. And there are a number of people who propose, you know, various like socioeconomic interventions or or any number of other things that that would that would help uh, address that um, red flag laws, things of that nature. So, I mean, I, I don't know particularly what um, what the most you know effective solution in that in that realm would be, but there are certainly people out there who who have considered that problem a little more squarely. I just don't think that's like what the smart gun, at least the smart gun you know, innovators that I've spoken of have like really aimed at.
0: For gun prevention advocates, smart guns are a step in the right direction. States see promise in them too. New Jersey enacted the child-proof handgun law in 2002, mandating that once a viable smart gun hits the market, all gun stores are required to sell it. The bill originally forced firearms retailers to switch to entirely smart inventories once a smart gun was available in the U.S. But the law was altered in 2019 after critics claimed it would stifle innovation. BioFire also pushed back against that mandate. Still, in a country where gun regulation is light and gun violence is high, The promise of safer firearms is enough to make gun control advocates excited.
2: The gun violence prevention advocates that I know are focused on reducing all forms of gun death. And that includes mass shootings, that includes community gun violence, that includes domestic gun violence, that includes accidental shootings, that includes suicides. And I think the general consensus is that if there is any sort of intervention that can create a net positive there, that can reduce gun death in one of those areas without increasing it in another, that that's something that uh, they should be enthusiastic about. So I know that, you know, you you take, for example, the fact that um, New Jersey passed this law all those years back to try to, as its authors said, you know, encourage the development of smart gun technology. You know, the reason they wanted to encourage the development of smart gun technology is because, in part, they thought that smart guns would help reduce certain shootings. And I think that's like a widely agreed upon belief among gun violence prevention advocates. When the Clinton administration had a deal with Smith & Wesson, you know, one of the things they were supposed to do was look into smart gun technology. Some of the stuff that uh, has been pushed for recently with respect to uh, increasing funding for gun violence prevention research, there's been discussion in that realm about, about how to, you know, develop smart gun technology that could be used to reduce certain shootings. There's a general consensus that if something, if some technology or innovation can be used to reduce violence of any sort without increasing it in some other category or, you know, increasing some other harm that is unforeseen, then that's a good thing, and it should be explored.
0: Let's assume that the tech portion of smart guns will be solved. How important might this be to the gun industry? I mean, handguns are the most popular form of gun. Will this be a niche industry, do you think? Or, or could this be a, a really important
2: sector? I know that, that the gun industry has not put forth any smart gun options that I'm aware of over the past 20 or so years. And I know that when Smith & Wesson had signed that agreement with the Clinton administration, that it wasn't something that they wound up pursuing long term, or at least nothing came of it. There was, you know, Smith & Wesson has not put out some like large scale smart gun project. And I know that the way that the New Jersey law was structured previously, before I think it was repealed in 2019 or changed in 2019, there was this like chilling effect sort of um, where any attempts to produce a smart gun what were sort of associated with this total raising of the firearms industry in New Jersey. And so got like furious blowback from folks in the gun rights community. Um, so you had a lot of gun owners who had boycott and protest stores who, you know, uh, offered to sell that Armadix or Armadix gun way back when. So I think the short answer to your question is I, I I don't know, but I, but I do know that I haven't seen any statements from the gun companies themselves about what they should be doing. With respect to smart guns or what they want to be doing with respect to smart guns. Um and what we have now is a niche um industry where it's like outside companies that are coming in and developing this technology rather than having major gun manufacturers develop it. And so it seems like that's that's sort of the way that it it may proceed in the future. but i have no I have no knowledge of of whether or not any of the major gun manufacturers have, you know, currently have smart gun technology, you know, in the works. It's
0: possible. It sounds like you're saying that, because of the response of the NRA and gun rights advocates, that smart guns just became associated with any with an attempt to infringe on gun rights. And therefore, smart guns, to the gun industry at least, have just become something on which they want to stay silent. They, they just have become sort of political.
2: It's a highly politicized issue. I think also it is a recommendation that's often made, as we were talking about before, by... Gun violence prevention advocates who are often at odds with the gun industry, not always, but often. Um, and I think like as a result, you just have this this issue is sort of mired in in a lot of political muck. However, you know, one of the things that Biofire has had moderate success doing is reaching out to folks who are a part of the gun community, quote unquote. And in so doing, I think have provided an example of a way to go about developing this technology that doesn't activate those political fears in the same way. And so if that's any indication of of sort of a strategy that gun manufacturers can employ, then perhaps this sort of thing could open up the door to to the development of this technology at uh, at a sort of larger scale with one of these bigger corporations. I don't know for sure though that would happen. And again, like there's always the question of whether or not it's, you know, financially worthwhile to be doing this if the market's not huge. And I just don't think there's a lot of information about whether or not there's a huge market for this right now.
0: Champ, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Kai Klepfer is the founder and CEO of BioFire. Champ Barton is a reporter at The Trace. And that is it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell and Patrick Ford. Our show is edited by Jonathan Fisher. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. If you're a fan of the show, I have a request for you. Become a Slate Plus member. Get all your lovely Slate podcasts with no ads. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. We'll be back next week with more episodes. I'm Celeste Headley filling in for Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks so much for listening.